You're listening to Faith at Work, brought to you by LymeRevive.org. Information and healing for Lyme disease. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Faith at Work. I'm Carl Grant with Pat Gelsinger, CEO of VMware. Thanks for joining us, Pat. Hey, great to be here, Carl, and happy to be on the show. So, Pat, I feel funny asking you this because you're a legend in the tech industry, but for our listeners who are outside of the tech industry, will you walk us through how you got into the business and, and then a little bit about your career through Intel, EMC, and VMware? Yeah, I'm a, a farm boy from Pennsylvania that stumbled into technology, and I sort of view it that way. My, all of my family was farmers, and I accidentally took a scholarship exam, skipped my last year of high school, and started to work toward being an electronics technician. Intel uh, came recruiting, and this is 1979. I was 18 years old, and uh, they invited me to California. And it's like a free trip to California, 18 years old, never been on an airplane, sign me up. But I had no intention of leaving Pennsylvania. You know, I'm an East Coast boy. But uh, they made me an offer to work and go to school, and uh, so wham, I'm living in California in the heart of Silicon Valley. Uh, before it was the famous Silicon Valley of today, I started working at uh, Intel, and my career just exploded. Uh, I call it the C Cinderella career, Carl, where you know, I was getting sort of promotion after promotion. I was working and going to school at the same time, so I got my bachelor's at Santa Clara, master's, PhD work at Stanford, and uh, became uh, you know literally one of the top guys at Intel worked on pretty much every microprocessor since the 286. So if any of the listeners have ever used a personal computer, uh, I helped create USB and Wi-Fi. So if you've ever used USB or Wi-Fi, you know, some of my work is uh, represented in your daily life. Yeah, my kids know you as the, the Wi-Fi guy and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they, they live, you know, from hotspot to hotspot. So talk a little bit about your role in, in developing Wi-Fi. Yeah, and uh, I was CTO. I became the chief technology officer for Intel, which you know, has to be like one of the coolest jobs on earth, Carl, because here you are, you're, uh, you know, I'm overseeing, you know, at the time, you know, a five, six billion dollar R&D budget, and we're doing some of the deepest physics things. Uh, on the planet as we're doing, you know, lower and lower lithography. We're also creating these industry standards like PCI, USB, plug and play, but also Wi-Fi. And uh, Wi-Fi at the time was, uh, you know, today it's like, well, of course, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. But at the time, there was uh, competing international standards. You know, I made many trips to China, Europe, ITU, some of the key technology trade-offs until it became the standard that we know and love uh, today and uh, really has enabled an entire generation of products and capabilities. So, you know, certainly sits as one of the great things on my resume. Well, we thank you for that. So talk, walk us through um, your movement over to EMC and what you did there. Well, you know, being at uh, Intel for 30 years, and again, I started when I was 18. I thought I'd be there a couple of years, and voila, 30 years later. And uh, Joe Tucci, the CEO of uh, EMC, came calling and uh, really convinced me that uh, you know, I had the opportunity for advancement, his help getting there. And I really came to a point in my career where I felt I didn't have either uh, at Intel, the opportunity nor the help of the uh, current CEO. 
And so after 30 years, which is just, you know, you've been somewhere for 30 years, Carl, you don't know where you end and the furniture starts. I mean, you're just so embedded in that environment. So one of the hardest decisions of my life was moving to EMC, moved to Boston. So back closer to my Pennsylvania roots. And uh, we had a delightful three years there. Uh, moved from silicon to systems at EMC, and then EMC was the majority owner of uh, VMware, and it was sort of an in-the-family move where I moved back to the West Coast to become the CEO of VMware, which I've now been for six years. And just elaborate a little bit on your role there at, at VMware. You've done some great things. Yeah, you know, when I came here, the company was about uh, you know three billion in revenue, uh, and really had uh, you know created the core, this thing called a virtual machine or hypervisor, which is the basis for every cloud uh, uses this technology uh, today. So it was really a dramatic, disruptive, innovative company, but it was starting the flatline. And really, as I came in, it was uh, you know building the new vision, laying out a strategy uh, for the future, and really putting it back on a growth trajectory. And uh, you know, this year will be about nine billion in revenue. Uh, I have uh, you know my uh, uh, group here of twenty five thousand almost. That's uh, VMware. Uh, strong growth. We've tripled the market cap of the company, and uh, people really have seen uh, and respected the great work uh, that we've done. It's been an amazing run. So you grew up in in rural Pennsylvania, and I remember a little bit from your story, I heard it last year, that you grew up in a Mennonite community, didn't you? Yeah, it was, you know, in the Pennsylvania area, as I called it, you know, we had the Amish, the Mennonites, and the Pennsylvania Dutch. And we were Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, so we were the liberals in comparison, which is super conservative uh, for the rest of the nation. But uh, compared to the Amish or Mennonites, we were pretty liberal. But, uh, you know, it was a very traditional environment uh, and born and raised in the church. I was baptized with full knowledge of what I was doing when I was six days old. And, uh, you know, really always thought of myself as a Christian. Why? Because I was in church since I was six days old. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I would describe it, I was uh, uh, good on Sundays because I wanted to impress the mothers and grandmothers of the girls I liked and was pretty rotten the other six and a half days a week. And actually came to Christ when I moved to the uh, Bay Area, met uh, my wife-to-be, uh, and uh, Revelation three fifteen and 16, I know your deeds, that you were neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. And that became the verse that really brought me to that point of personal crisis and accepted Christ as a uh, 18-year-old in California and uh, have been on a journey ever since then of uh, how to be hot for him. So, and how did that come about? Was it your wife that played a role in that? Uh, were you at church or how, how did you come to that decision point? Yeah, somewhat all of the above, you know, so here I am, I'm in this radically different place. And I think sometimes, you know, uh, somewhat like, uh, you know, Jesus says when he goes and visits Nazareth, you know, a prophet isn't, uh, you, know, uh, you know, respected in his own home. And I think getting out of that comfortable Pennsylvania environment was part of it. You know, being in California where all these radically different things are going on, meeting uh, Linda, and she sort of immediately challenged me on uh, what my faith perspective was, the Christian church community I was in, and all of those sort of culminated uh, with uh, me accepting uh, Christ in February of 1980, 
And almost immediately, uh, God started to put, uh, you know, his uh, scarlet thread uh, into my life. Uh, my uh, roommate-to-be, uh, God spoke to him and said we were supposed to be roommates. And I'm like, God's talking to you about me? Uh, you know, it was one of these, wow. And uh, very quickly, uh, uh, I felt uh, uh, the call of God to go into ministry. And I'm like, I don't want to be a minister, God. I love this computer stuff and what I'm doing here. And, uh, you know, as that uh, progressed, uh, what came out of it, Carl, was that, uh, you know, I finally laid a fleece before God after a couple of months of arguing with him and said, you know, like Gideon, you know, if this happens, I will go into ministry. And as soon as I gave up, the answer was the workplace is your ministry. And that's been my focus ever since. How can I use the platforms that God has given me in the workplace to be a full-time minister for him? And as I describe it, if you're a Christian, you're a full-time minister. Just a few vocationally, the rest of us occupationally. And in our occupations, how can we be full-time ministers in the home place, in the marketplace, in the school place, and most importantly, in the workplace? So let's elaborate a little bit on on how you do that practically. I mean, you have ways of putting your faith into action like I've seen nobody else do. You climb mountains and you get your employees involved and and you know, what 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 is that all about? Well, you know, uh, you know a handful of thoughts there and you know, this is something that uh, requires wisdom and uh, you know, as Christ says that uh, uh, you would be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves and I think you do have to be very thoughtful about it. You know, but some of the ways that uh, I say, certainly as a CEO, the values of the company, right? You know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, our philanthropy efforts, you know, the integrity of the company, our focus on customers and communities. And wow, you know, it's like a sermon without uh, scriptural text. It's, uh, you know, really uh, uh, is deeply empowering. I role model it. Uh, as you uh, said, uh, I climbed Kilimanjaro this summer as a fundraiser for uh, some uh, slum uh, work that uh, we've supported for many years. I grabbed other VMware guys to join me and we're building a girls high school. Uh, for uh, some of the girls that are, you know, being pulled out of that uh, uh, very uh, extreme poverty environment there. So, you know, people are going, wow, you know, this is good stuff. They see the uh, company in this regard as not just doing well, but also doing good. And that's one of the mottos that we've taken, that we're going to be a company that, you know, makes tech a force for good. And we talk about it all the time as a company. You know, personally as well, it's important as the CEO, and I think for anybody in a secular environment, the more that you are engaging on other people's faiths, the more that you can talk about your faith. You know, and that could be a Buddhist, it could be a Hindu, it could be an Islam, it could be right, uh, uh, a Catholic. Be inquisitive about their faith. You know, what is it? You know, which, you know, what is this Diwali thing anyway? Uh, and uh, how do you celebrate? Well, let me tell you about how I celebrate and you know, all of these uh, different aspects. And, you know, the other thing that I always uh, encourage uh, Christians as well is your most powerful witnessing tool is a simple phrase. May I pray for you? And in times of need, people never turn down prayers for their needs. 
And I've said this thousands of times to people, hundreds of times to people who I know are atheists or agnostics, and no one has ever said, no, you can't pray for my need. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you come back and you ask, well, you know, how is Aunt Mary doing? And, uh, you know, how is your daughter or, you know, whatever that situation might be. And it is deeply engaging that you are, you know, engaging not just as a business leader, not just as a business right, uh, manager or CEO in my role, but you're engaging in their lives. And you, as you do that, you empower people to bring their whole selves into the workplace. And that's such a powerful concept that no diversity or inclusion or any of these things becomes preventing of what that might be. And you also pray for your company. And, and have you seen prayers answered? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in marvelous ways. And, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, do you think you're the God of the universe doesn't know when you have a business problem? Right. Of course he does. Right. And then, you know, as you're praying for that, you know, you are praying, uh, you know, for success. If I don't make this company successful, I can't employ 25,000 people. I cannot fund the families of 25,000 people. I cannot be improving the communities of 25,000 people. Yeah, I'm passionate about making this company successful. But as we would say, it's always putting that there's a higher purpose in what we do. You know, we're out to make our customers successful. We're about to improve our communities to enable people to give to the charities and the causes that are important uh, to them. And uh, certainly, you know, my own, you know, personal prayers, often it's somewhat hard to separate uh, company success from God's will. And in reality, that's how life is. It often is pretty hard to separate those two. So, you know, take, take your needs and requests to God and don't be afraid of it. Pat Gelsinger, CEO of VMware, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Carl Grant with Faith at Work. Please visit us at www.facebook.com slash faithatworkradio. Yes, I gotta have faith. You have been listening to Faith at Work with Carl Grant, brought to you by LimeRevive.org. I gotta have faith.